We apologize for this brief interruption in the show. As many of you likely know, the Higher Standard Podcast is officially sponsored by Transcend Company. Transcend has been my longtime provider for both testosterone and peptide therapies, but they offer so much more. Whether you're interested in health, wellness, or longevity, it all begins with you getting your blood work done. A lab draw will help you get the numbers and establish your baseline. You can go to transcendcompany.com slash THSP. That's transcendcompany.com slash THSP. Or you can click the link in the show notes on any streaming platform and on YouTube. Fill out your information and one of the representatives will contact you to get your journey started today. Now back to the show. It is still very strange to me that uh, we record once a It feels a little foreign. It, it does, does feel a little foreign. It feels, it feels um, like I'm always like not doing something I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. feel I'm always like, oh, like you know that feeling when you feel like you left your wallet at home. Rune's looking at me very weird. Why are you looking like that? Just thought it'd be funny. <laughs> you thought that would be funny. Did you get your eyebrows done? Yeah, I did actually. You did. <laughs> how did you? I was just. How did I not notice? <laughs> He's lying, man. No. Wait, lying? hold on. Let me no, see. Those, those are done, bro. You got your no, eyebrows no, done. No, that's normal. No. Have I ever oh, done my no, eyebrows? You, oh, you shaved them down or something? There, there's a he hole. told me. He told me. You know how sometimes if I don't know if this happens to you, but for me it does. When I go to the barber, he'll be like, "Hey, you want me to clean up your eyebrows a little bit?" Oh, my, and my barber doesn't do that. So he'll like they'll just scissors, right? Yeah, which is fine. He says his his barber's clippers. Goes, clippers. I had one. Bro, I had no idea what was happening. I was just cutting my hair, <laughs> cutting my hair out of nowhere. I just felt the buzz go over my eyebrows. I was like, "What the fuck did that, he just?" That's do? a bit excessive, right? I had that happen to me once too. What? I, I, yeah, yeah. Where like I had my eyes closed and I'm just chilling. Mm. And I thought they were doing like the mustache lineup, and all of a sudden my eyebrow got hit, and I'm like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> it's very, it's very bewildering. You're like, you, "That's not my, that's not my mouth." Um, it's have, very confusing. I have a lot of horror barber stories. We could share it someday on a Patreon episode if we ever decide to open that up. I'm sorry, your horror barber stories are too graphic for the regular show. No, I'm just saying. So I don't know if we, how much we want to get into that. You know, Jeff's not gonna like that. Jeff, Jeff. would not be happy with you. <laughs> right. That's why I'm, I'm protecting us. You know, a listener came up with a really interesting idea. Let's go in the show notes whenever we're on YouTube. Or if we did show notes on the actual streaming platforms, which we could do in theory. I think Mind Pump does that as well. Mm. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. Um, we could actually put the non-Jeff section <laughs> in the show notes. <laughs> like, D- Jeff, don't click here. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> this guy, is, he's like a recurring guest on the show. Yeah, I mean, Arun's wife is the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> Where was that, that comment that you said that he left a, se- a follow-up comment? Because I couldn't find it. I looked. It was on one of the YouTube videos. Oh. I'll find it for you. Okay. All right. Great. Well, Jeff, we, we appreciate you, even though you leave random comments on YouTube videos and don't correct your original Why? comment. He gave us five stars. He did give us five stars. So I respect Jeff. I respect Jeff a lot. There's a lot of listeners out there that have not left us a review. Mm. Well... Welcome back to the number one financial literacy podcast in the world. Continually topping some of the charts, uh, entrepreneurship regularly in the top 200 at release and kind of stay floating up there for quite some time. It always amazes me when it's like a new country. I'm like, really? There's a lot of countries. Sweden. We had like fucking Slovakia, Slovenia. There's a whole S section. The other Switzerland. Day. Yeah. There, there were some countries I had to look up. I mean, and, and I'm I'm pretty good. Hey, y'all still around? It's it's really interesting, and I see a lot of people on social media. I'm not going to name any names, but like Logan from Housing Wire, right? <laughs> as an example of somebody who hypothetically could be doing this, right? They're like, oh, thank you, we're a top, you know, ten, top twenty podcast. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, bro, it's in the subcategory of like some random ass sector, right? 
And I'm sitting here going like, well, we're in the top in business and entrepreneurship, which is a much broader thing than like housing. Yeah. I'm like, come on, dog. Come on. Like, that's so that's so misleading. It ain't apples to apples. Yeah, don't be that guy. Mm-mm. Well, sitting next to me, my partner in time, the one and only Syed Omar, everybody. Thank you, my man. Sitting next to me on my left is my partner in crime, Chris Nahibi. Welcome back to the show. And behind the ones and twos, as you know, Jeff's wife, the one and only DJ Arun, DJ Grover in the house. Ooh. I was really hoping you got over the Grover thing. What, you don't like the Grover thing? Is it really bothering it's you? It's kind of dying out a little like bit. Like scam, I'm not gonna I don't lie. care. Yeah, it's not like, it doesn't have that punch to it anymore. It's so suitable, though. <laughs> You've really enjoyed it. The Grover thing? More than any one of us. <laughs> well, I, I mean, he's the one with the comments, so. He has, like, the iconic voice, though. I mean, honestly, you should have done something with that. You should have voice trained, you know, maybe gotten in a little bit of the animation stuff. Mm. You would have killed it, bro. <laughs> I'm serious. You would have crushed. For the longest time, I had no idea that those uh, voice actors, they literally are multiple characters. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they can... Have you ever seen somebody do like the TikToks where they literally they'll come on and they'll be like, "Oh, this is the serious voice," and they do like one voice, and they'll go, "Oh, this is the sarcastic and witty voice," and they do another voice. And you're like, yeah. "Fuck me!" Uh, yeah, that's, that's I can count. barely speak English clearly <laughs> or read. Yeah, that's yeah meant to be hurtful. <laughs> Speaking of reading, shall I attempt to embarrass this. myself that once was, again? That was the segue. That was the segue. All right. Yeah. Well, tonight's show is going to be jam packed with a couple things, but we have some surprises built in. So please make sure to stay all the way to the end mm-hmm. because we need you to. Japan is no longer the world's third largest. Ah, oh, feels like home every time now. So good. I always forget. I love you. I love Arun. you too. Love you too. Why did you assume it was to you? No, I said I love. Okay, I love him too. See, yeah, very love ambiguous. Okay. Love you too, Lala. Circle, circle of trust. <laughs> I'm outside of it. Yeah, yeah you guys carpool together. I know. Got it. All right, so Japan is no longer the world's third largest economy. There's also some challenges going on in uh, in the UK. Mohammed Al Rain is going to opine on uh, fourth quarter GDP. And uh, layoffs, well, they uh, they went up month over month, but may or may not be down year over year. We'll get into that. Frigid temperatures chill the U.S. retail sales and factory production suffers. Our One of our favorite sources of information, the Kobisi Letter, investors bought 26% of low-priced U.S. homes that sold in Q4 2023. That one was kind of stunning to me when I read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was a lot more than we'd heard historically, so I, I really want to unpack what that really means. Excess supply of apartment deliveries now, but a possible shortage by a little time period uh, off in the distance, 2026. Mm-hmm. When you think it's, oh, it's going to get it's gonna get better, but maybe it's going to get worse. Yeah, exactly. Very confusing. It's going to normalize, let's say. And what to know about the debut of Trump's $399 golden high-top sneakers. I thought this was AI bullshit. This was, so this was my surprise article that I wanted to throw in here. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I, when I first saw the sneakers, I'm like, this is AI, right? Like, someone's fucking with me. Dude, there's a friends and family package. I know. Like, he's got a whole marketing team behind this. And I'm not going to lie. They actually look like they're high quality. They do look like they're high quality. I mean, they're quality. ridiculous, but high quality nonetheless. It's crazy, man. It's, it's a, uh, I love gold. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, exactly. it's strange. They're wrapped in gold foil. You see that? Yeah, yeah. Just, they have a signature on the toe. It's, it's confusing. Yeah. yeah. He knows what he's doing. He does. It, it's, I, where did, whose idea was like, you know what? Hey, uh, Donald. Um. I've been pulling, you know, and um, I really think we should put together a sneaker deal. Yeah, this and that's exactly what happened. They're like, but let's not release it until the day after you lose your civil trial. Like, yeah, but let's do that. I'm also going to need you to make an appearance at SneakerCon. <laughs> In Philadelphia. Which he did. He's doing. Dude, he literally was out there calling people like, 
You guys are what you guys call yourself sneakerheads? Like yeah. <laughs> How about a Trump? <laughs> oh my gosh. You ever try to play basketball with some Trumpers on? Yeah. <laughs> some Trumpies. <laughs> He's got a good Trump shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then lastly, the data shows the economy is booming. Wall Street thinks otherwise. But before we get into all that, I've got my surprise article to top things off. Mm. Right at the start of the show, because I think this sets a good tone. And okay. you know me, I'm all about tone, baby. You are all about tones. But before you do that, if you're listening to the show on Apple or Spotify, please head over and leave us an honest five-star review. It really means a lot to us and does a lot for the show. Uh, we have a review to read at the end of the show again tonight. And if you're watching us over on YouTube, please make sure you subscribe, hit that like button, ring that notification bell. Make sure you do all the moist, goody-good sassafras. Mm, look at you. Practiced. I like that. Yeah. Very, very... uh. Very consistent throughout the whole thing there. Yeah. Very good. Good. All right. From Leslie Picker, CNBC's uh, banking correspondent, I believe. Let me actually get her title right because I don't want to screw that up. CNBC's so have, senior banking and finance correspondent. We have Picker, Dickler, and Cox. Let's be careful because Leslie is constantly on CNBC. She covers the banking sector, and we have been communicating. And I know she might listen to the show. So if she does, Leslie, we love you. We love you, Leslie. Yeah. We're just um, making sure we know the... <laughs> the ones that are constantly referenced on the show. Said so wants to be derogatory to the correct ones. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> this from her today on uh, X, Bank CEO Compensation for 2023. Bank CEO Compensation. Ooh, Jamie going to be in there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right, Morgan Stanley, James Gorman. Got a nice little 17% increase. Wow. To a whopping total of $37 million. 17 you said? 17% increase to $37 million. Why? God damn, dude. Yeah. How do you justify that after the layoffs? Hush. Daddy's still working here, okay? JP Morgan, Jamie Dimon, $36 million plus 4% increase. See, that's what I knew his was like a 4% increase. Yeah. So how did the 17%, man? Goldman Sachs, David Solomon, formerly DJ David Solomon, did it for charity, gave all the money away to other people. He got a salary increase, 24% salary increase to $31 million. He had to be part of that $30 million club. He couldn't let Jamie be out here by himself. Can you see him in the board? Listen, motherfucker, I gave up my DJ gig for this shit. Yeah, seriously, honestly, if, I, if you guys are going to make me give up DJing, I need, I need some compensation. I mean, I feel like it was a little bit more articulated than that, but yeah, yeah. that's effectively boiling it down. Right. Bank of America's Brian Moynihan got the pimp slap in two ways. Really? Number one, negative 3% salary increase, salary no. decrease. <laughs> and they dropped in just below the $30 million club at $29 million. Wow. Yeah. Oh, Brian, you want to play with the big boys, huh? Don't you? Oh, it's so cute. Maybe they gave him some stock instead. How about next? No, this is, I think it's all in. Uh, how about next time um, when you quote things? Don't be wrong, Brian. Yeah, don't be like don't be wrong. two quarters late. If the higher standard's calling you out, you don't deserve $30 million. Yeah, that's the, okay. last, that's the last thing any of these CEOs want. And Citigroup's Jane Fraser, who is in the midst of billions of dollars of cost cutting, including layoffs. 20,000 jobs worth of layoffs, right? Plus 6%, $26 million. She got a salary increase. How many jobs could you have saved, bruh? Yeah, how do you, as a CEO, how do you lay off that many people or have plans to lay off that many people and accept a salary increase like that? That's a little wild, man. You know, her job was so tough. I'm not saying it wasn't tough. And look, we've we've talked about it on this show that it's a 24-hour gig. 
No, no, I, I, I get it. It's just tough time in the economy to be taking a salary increase. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Just, let's just put that out there right now. Everyone looking at their side was away. I didn't get a bonus, but you got a salary increase? Uh, that's tough. So why? Why, Chris, would you bring this up? Yeah, Chris. Are what? you... You're like, where's my salary increase? No, he's about to announce his salary increase. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you giving us salary increases? Uh, I am now taking a 10% salary increase uh, as uh, the host of the show. Okay. Uh, and unfortunately, that increase of $0 is still zero. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, still not getting paid. Yeah. But uh, I, I thought this would be an interesting kind of perspective to share. Um, the largest banks in the world have the largest voice. When the White House and everybody in Congress wants to talk to somebody in the banking sector, they call this panel of CEOs up to, to testify in front of Congress. Right. They just did this recently. Mm -hmm. Do you think these CEOs are in touch with America? No, man. Even though Moynihan claims to be a consumer bank and the CEO of a consumer, uh, you know, all consumers, no way. I'm going to throw him a bone and not take a shot that I, I really am entitled to take based mm -hmm. on his really bad data historically. But what I'm going to say is this. Yet these people who have the biggest, most pronounced voices who are clearly detached from a lifestyle perspective mm -hmm. are the ones that we go to to have an overall understanding of the health of the banking sector. I mean, that and they also have all the data, right? I mean, they have access to the data, whether... They choose to read up-to-date data is a whole other story. So let, let's take a little trip down uh, Tinfoil Hat Lane. Let's do it. Okay. You know I'm always down. Yeah, you're always down for the tinfoil. Uh, okay. Why would these CEOs voice any concern over the, the market when everything that we've experienced in the community regional bank consolidation mm. and the scare and the fears benefits them? Right. Right? Yeah. If you're JP Morgan Chase, you got an opportunity to buy First Republic. And Probably he, got a screaming deal. And they recorded like 40-some billion dollars in profits last year? Record profits last year. Yeah. Which made way for the salary increase. Right. So the largest banks in the country are recording record profits. They're not voicing concern over the stress in the banking sector beyond the fact that they're acknowledging that it's present. Mm -hmm. And yet we're doing nothing to protect the community regional banking sector at all, who does serve a purpose whether you like it or not. Right. Do you think it's by design? Do you think that there's... We, we spend so much of our time talking about data in the show. And we spend so much of our time talking about how, you know, this is what's happening as reported by this person or that person or this company and that company. Mm -hmm. But what if all of this is really a bigger play? Yeah. What if all of it is... We went away from the gold standard. Right. And currency is really not based on anything anymore. It's just based, it's fiat currency, right? It's just based on the faith in the currency. A little bit, yeah. But uh, and there's, there, there's some metrics that supposedly support it. But what did we do the last several years? We printed a shit ton of money. Mm -hmm. We kept artificial interest rates low. Liquidity was flush. But the wealthiest people in the country got wealthier. The biggest companies in the country got bigger. Mm -hmm. And maybe, just maybe, this is what somebody wanted. Maybe there's they're aiming towards a working class and a wealthy class. But maybe that wealthy class doesn't include 
millionaires anymore. We just think that it does because we're on an outdated concept. Right. I don't, I don't, I'll, I'll cut Elon Musk out of this equation. He doesn't seem like he's in for like these elitist, I'm building a bunker kind of person. He seems like the kind of guy who's going to go to a conference and tell people to fuck off. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But shout out Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I look at some of the macro picture and I think to myself, Maybe there is influence. Think about it this way. So a lot of the billionaires now control journalism. Yeah. Traditional journalism is dying, and it's now bred into this internet age where sensationalism is taking over. There's still great journalists out there. Mm -hmm. But in order to get noticed in this world, you have to be sensational. Right. Exactly. You have to be extreme. Well, they can also pay to just cover stories too, right? Mm -hmm. Not to put it behind a paywall and just to bury a story, right? And then how, how much exposure do you get? Exactly. It, it, there's a lot of confliction there. And I look at the markets and I think to myself, maybe this is by design. Maybe they, there is a divide happening where if you're in the multi-billionaire circle, and there are a lot more billionaires today than there ever were before, mm -hmm. do you really care about the plight of the working man? No. No, it's just a number at the end of the day. I mean, look, this, there's a real problem when you know, the number one thing pitched to most Americans is the American dream of buying a home. We've talked about it on this show routinely. When the average household income can no longer afford the average household price, right, for a home, mm. that's a real fucking problem, man. That does, that, in no world should that ever make sense. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. Right? And the fact that, I mean, look, they're raising interest rates and hoping for it to take effect and values come down, but look, it, it's not happening. So... The, the backstory and why this, I thought this was such an th interesting thing to talk about is we post videos on social media. There is inevitably the criticism when one of them goes viral, like they have been going on TikTok as of late. Uh, when one of them goes viral, well, there's a different varying degrees of perspective change. And a lot of it has to do with generational perspective. Mm -hmm. People saying, oh, we had to struggle a lot during our day or it's still possible or, you know, hey. And there's also this negative connotation, like, I don't want to save. By the time I'm you know, 65 years old, I might as well be dead. It won't be worth anything. Money's going to be devalued. There's such varying degrees of perspective. And I can't help but think that, number one, the generations are very split on, on what they think is right and wrong financially. Yeah. Because they've seen such very different things. And number two, I think people are unwilling to see that things have changed. In what way? I, I think, okay, if I'm being candid here, I think the world has changed largely from... The things that this country was based on and built on at one point in time mm -hmm. might be de-evolving. We, we, we moved, we came to this country to get away from religious and like the oppression of, of, of the UK. Mm -hmm. They settled here to get away and form their own world where people had equal rights. But do we all have equal rights? No. Um, and I mean, they really drove the point home, right? Between separation between church and state. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that the World Economic Forum, if you're flying on your PJ to park it in Davos, do you really fucking know what the rest of the world's going through when you're talking about this stuff from a theoretical perspective? Right. I mean, when you guys talk about climate change, but y'all rolling in on fucking jet fuel. Right. I mean, it's just it just seems like it's do as I say, not as I do by an elitist group that is very different than what we're expected to do. And I don't think a millionaire is in the elitist group right. anymore. On a like much smaller scale, right? As generations, you know, come and go, right? Even us. Mm. What we dealt with as kids to what our kids are dealing with now 
although some are, some things are similar, there's a lot of things that are different as well. Very different. For us to be, let's say, like working as much as we are, where you know both parents are working, whereas before there was traditionally someone was at home, okay, and your kids are coming home and you want to act like you know everything that they're dealing with, but it's changing times. This is on a much smaller scale, oh, dude. Right now, now think about about the elitist, right? Comparing themselves to the working class and trying to say that they understand what they're dealing with, it's not the same, man. No. No. Not at all. And then it bothers me more, and I keep reading into, like, all these very, very affluent, wealthy people building doomsday bunkers. And I'm like, why are all these billionaires building bunkers? Yeah. Like, it's at the point now where, like, what the fuck are y'all talking about that I don't understand? Like, hey, we should spend a couple million dollars doing this just in case. You never know. We put an arcade down there. Meanwhile, it's cool. I mean, it's just weird, right? It's a little weird. All right, let's get into the data, and then uh, we'll get back to this. I promise. There's a, there's a tie-in. I promise. Japan, according to CNBC, is no longer the world's third largest economy as it slips its sexy little tiny toes into a recession. Mm. Shocker. Yeah. For the whole of 2023, Japan's nominal GDP grew only 5.7% to come in at 50. 591 what the fuck is that 591.48 trillion yen mm-hmm. a lot of yen or 4.2 trillion dollars based on the average exchange rate that year uh the official data shows what this really means germany on the other hand uh they saw nominal gdp growth of 6.3 percent to reach 4.12 trillion euros or 4.46 trillion based on last year's average exchange rate basically their economy has shrunk and it's not kept up with the scale of others. Right. So as a result, it's no longer the third world lar- third largest economy in the world. But more importantly, you've got a very large, very big, very visible economy in a recession. Yeah, exactly. Two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. I'm not seeing a lot of talk of uh, gross domestic income in here. No. No, none, as a matter of fact. In every article I read, not a single one right. spoke about GDI as an exception to that rule. And given what we've talking, uh, spoken about on the show uh, before, how this is now a global economy more so than ever before, mm-hmm. it only leads you to think like, okay, let some of these other countries now start to release that they're in a recession and maybe to be more acceptable for us to eventually claim that now we're in a recession and it's a global economy and everything is cyclical. Well, I'm glad you mentioned other economies. Mohammed al Rain, one of our favorite economists. Former CEO of Pimco. <sighs> and now he's just pimping, Co. He's just pimping. Straight pimping, baby. With the just reported 0.3% decline in Q4 GDP, the UK has officially entered into a, quote, technical recession, end quote, defined as two consecutive quarters of GDP contraction. Notice, no reference to GDI once again. Right. Why? I, You know... Hey, guys, maybe it was fucking irrelevant to begin with. Right. It didn't say not to be confused with the White House's definition. That, that Yeah. Strange. Strange. But okay. Uh, despite this recession being shallower and arriving later than anticipated by many at the outset of 2023, it underscores the persistent cha- challenge of low-level growth and the productivity plaguing the UK. Right. This trap not only hampers the country's growth and dynamism, but also dynamism. Yeah, that, that's wow. He went hard with the vocabulary there, yeah. but also undermines its ability to withstand external shocks. But more importantly, okay, you got the UK, two negative quarters, negative GDP growth. Mm-hmm. 
got Japan, two negative quarters GDP growth. For those of you out there that are naive to it, let me help shed some light on a simple concept. The ideology of a recession being two negative quarters of successive GDP growth right. is not unique to the United States. That is every economy around the world. Right. And for a great example of how twisted and ass backwards we've gotten here in the United States, we rely on the National Bureau of Economic Research to come out and say, hey, guys, <laughs> you know those <laughs> two successive quarters of negative GDP growth we had? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's recession. <laughs> I know, exactly. But the reality is that didn't happen here in either one of these instances. Exactly. They had that. You got CNBC saying Japan is no longer the world's third largest economy. It slips into a recession. Right. They, just, they just reported a second quarter of negative GDP growth. That's all that happened here. That's it. No GDI, that's it. Mohamed Al-Rain, very, very, very well-respected as an economist. Mm -hmm. Very, very, very well-respected in his opinions, the things that he says. And he doesn't take that lightly. He's, he makes statements that he truly thinks will stand up the test of time. Right. And here he is. He drops this. And, of course, I go into the comment section because I'm that asshole. That's what you have to do. Not a single person disagreeing with the definition and citing anything like GDI. So this begs the question, why? Why have all of us in the United States, in the media, why did we not hear about us being in recession when we had two negative quarters of GDP growth starting January 1 of 2022 and ending in June 30th because we couldn't of 2022? Be, because I think because we couldn't be the first country to come out to declare ourselves to be in recession, I think it would have caused all kinds of uh, problems and chaos, right? But also... This also is a big problem for the FOMC and the Fed members, okay? Mm -hmm. The fact that they cited gross domestic income and used it before. Okay, we didn't get into it because the last episode that we did was right before the CPI print, okay? And since then, it's now been a week since it's come out, okay? And the, remember, so CPI came down, but not it didn't meet expectations, and it caused all kinds of chaos in the market that, for that day, right? And... um Rate cuts actually got pushed out further and further. It looks like Chris and I are still looking to be right for June and July. At least that's where I still stand for the first cut, right? Um, but I have some theories on that. When we get to uh, some of the inflation numbers in that that dialogue, I think we'll I'll, mm -hmm. I'll test your theory on that a little bit. Okay, so the big part of that whole report, and we're not going to get too technical with all the data points, but the thing that really, really, really pissed off Neil Kashkari and Jerome Powell and the homies is services inflation actually went up. Mm. It went up from 5.3% to 5.4%. Not a big deal, but it was the only one that went the wrong way. Why does services inflation matter? It's directly correlate, correlated to wage inflation, mm. meaning people are still getting paid more. So that means services are going up. People are getting paid more for their services. You had the large jobs number report that came out. At, they added 353,000 jobs, right? Look, this is going to be a real problem if we actually see GDP contract, but gross domestic income actually continues to do well, right? Well, then, let's let's let's. Your tinfoil hat is still on, right? Yeah, that's okay. why. That's yeah. exactly okay. what we're doing right. here. So, um, Rune, scroll down before you leave that page. Go down a little bit. Uh, there was a guy who circled a bunch of stuff in in the comment section. There you go, right there. So this, I found this interesting quote. So uh, go back to the comment. You clicked on the picture. It's cute. Uh, Technical recession equals two consecutive quarters with a negative GDP growth are not valid for the U.S., only for other countries. Mm. So, again, this guy is just a user. 
Right. And all what did he do? He went back and, and circled recessionary trending and some of the some of the negative GDP growth and said, how is this not a recession for the US? Right. Mind you, the last 10 out of 10 times for us, it was a recession. Yeah. So the the overwhelming probability is the National Bureau of Economic Research will come out and have declared that a recession mm -hmm. at some point in the future. That doesn't mean that we're not actually in one. That doesn't mean that other countries shouldn't report one. So here's tinfoil hat point number one. I got two here for you. Okay. Number one, if the media is largely controlled by billionaires now, does it benefit them to have the rhetoric that we're in a recession out there? Especially when you think that billionaires are also tied to the political outcome. I we want our democratic representative to win. So we, we're going to quash this whole GDP conversation with a GDI twist. Uh, the White House put out a letter. Right. Or on the contrary, if you're a Republican, you don't want Trump to be blamed for his policies, which led to this by the Democrats. So let's take that argument off the table. Let's just not even respond to it and address it right now. Exactly. We'll deal with that when the election comes around. Right. There, there are so many things on a broader scale that are impactful now. And here's, here's the fucking problem, okay? Okay. Is that if you're a billionaire, are you playing the game for more money? No. No. You're playing the game for more power and more control. Yeah, market share, right? You've got enough money. Mm -hmm. You want power and control. And the way you get power and control is you have the ability to manipulate the zeitgeist when it comes to headlines like this to make the American population keep spending, to keep your stock price up, to keep believing in your political political candidates because they believe that this is not happening to them even though they feel it and they want to say something. Yeah. You All-time high non-household debt. Right. All-time high credit cards, student loan, auto payments, right. and mortgage debt. And on top of that, too, we got delinquencies are up quarter over quarter for mortgages, for auto loans, for credit cards. These delinquencies are only one. HELOCs, are for, for some reason, they're actually somewhat down, which I was surprised. At. Okay, I didn't understand why that. But student loans are also down. But that's only because a bill was passed saying that if you were delinquent on your student loan payments for the next year, yeah. they weren't going to report it to the credit uh, agencies, right? So this is the big problem that I have with all this. Okay, there have been a lot of layoffs, and I, I think we both expected there to be much more by now. I still think there's a lot more no, forthcoming. No, I, I, think, I think we're on target. We're going to get layoffs shortly here in, in, a, in an upcoming segment, but I, I think we are on target. I, I think we are on target. I think it's just not as fast. So that's that's so this is theory number two. This is my tinfoil okay. hat number two thing, and it dovetails nicely. Uh, there's an argument, a compelling argument to be made, that if we haven't seen the layoffs thus far, that the Fed has done its job. You got two jobs. Yeah, exactly. Right? Inflation. Yeah, stabilized prices. Stabilized pricing. And number two, jobs. Maximum employment. Maximum employment. If you have the maximum employment that we have now, sub 5% unemployment, right? And you've got, you know, 3%, lower than 3% inflation. 3.7%. Uh, well, uh, uh, core or CPI? What's CPI's number? Oh, well, inflation. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I, thought you, sorry I thought you said unemployment. No, inflation. Oh, inflation is 3.1%, uh, I think, came in there. Right. Okay, whatever. Yeah, it ticked up. That's right. But, okay, in theory, 2 to 3% was a normal moniker of healthy. They've targeted 2%. Okay, fine, whatever. Mm -hmm. But if you're the Fed, I mean, why aren't you taking a fucking victory lap? I mean, you technically should be, right? Like, look, there's no reason. We said we're going to hold higher for longer. We're trying to stabilize prices. Prices are slowly coming down, and 
jobs are doing well. I don't care about the stock market. I don't care about if, if you there's some layoffs coming around. These metrics that we care about are doing just fine. So again, and then I look at this stuff and I go, okay, wait a minute. Maybe there's more at play here. And I get it. If you're the FOMC, you're afraid of the 1980s double dip recession. Yep. You're afraid of the 1970s hyperinflation. You're afraid of what could happen. To which I say one very clear thing. Right. They don't want a three-year problem to turn into a 10-year problem. Yeah. And I get all that. But since when has managing from a place of fear been a good thing? Mm. When has that been? Name one person who's ever become successful that you know of that made their decisions from a place of fear. Well, that's how most things actually get done in the country, right, is through fear. That's how bills get passed. You talk about the Patriot Act, right? Well, fear, fear is also fear how pushed. you push power and control. Exactly. And that, that's what it all comes down to. That 60-minute interview, mm -hmm. you're not going to tell me the FOMC just unilaterally was like, you know what, I feel like doing a 60-minute interview today. No, <laughs> no, exactly. You know, yeah, it, they call me, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, you know what, I I feel like I, I deserve some, this face is meant for TV. <laughs> you know what he did? They had someone else lined up. He's like, yeah, you're going to bump them to next week? I'm taking their spot. Yeah. Tell them the FOMC is here. Right. I'm just, it's just weird. I'm just, I'm so just I know this, and this really bothers me. And this is something that I, I wrote down at home that I wanted to touch on tonight in the studio. It's, touch on it. I want to touch on it, right? Touch on it real good. Look. Gentle. Gentle now. Gentle, right? So if we got GDP came in at 3.3% for Q4, it's positive, baby. Everything's, so everything's looking good. You got unemployment, historically low. 3.7%. That means most people got jobs. There's like 8 million job openings still out there on, based on the JOLTS report, right? And basically, and wages are currently right now outpacing inflation. Okay. All these positive things. How in the hell can mortgage delinquencies be up? How can auto loan delinquencies be up? Mm -hmm. How can credit card delinquencies be up? If all of these other metrics are so positive and great, it makes no sense to me. Yeah. Well, let me, I am not a smart person despite my fake ego on the show, okay? I, I know that I, I do and think some dumb shit sometimes. There, there's a lot of times where you can see into my brain, you'd be like, God damn, you're a moron. And it's true. Yeah. I think, I can't wait for both of us to get Neuralink. Oh my God. <laughs> if you could read my thoughts, you'd be like, God damn, why, why are you yeah. thinking about that? You know, mine right now, right? It'd be like, Christopher, not right now. Don't do this right now. All the time. In meetings. I, have, I mean, it's, it's almost like ADA. It's, it's bad. Right. Like I'll, yeah. Anyway. Um. Today, all day long, I was like, if I had an energy drink that I made, what would it look like? Maybe you should have an anime character on it. Maybe you should have like a Hibiki kind of vibe with Japanese text. Ooh, I should do that with OpenAI when I get back to my office. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm paying attention, guys. What's up? <laughs> that was my day. Like, that was... Anyway. Um, so, here's my problem. Okay? If I'm stupid, but yet I can figure out that you've got a fundamental mathematical problem that everybody seems to ignore. Mm-hmm. And that is if you do have a supply shortage, because the home builders are smart this time. Right. We talked about this last show. They control the, the industry, right? Like the diamond mines and De Beers, they controlled how much supply was hitting the market because they didn't want to wind up in the same situation they were. Not only that, dude, they got all kinds of incentives. All the, kinds of incentives. These rate buy-downs that they're doing, sometimes it's a full point. Yeah. That's crazy, man. So the home builders are in great. I mean, they're beating EPS. Earn, they're, they're, they're beating all their expectations right now. They're mm -hmm. crushing. Right. Right, they learned from from two thousand eight. Yeah, they they learned. So what happens as a result of this? The housing market has a supply issue, which is artificially keeping home values up, despite the fact that there's just a lot less transaction. We 
you're not seeing any refinances right now. In a normal healthy market, 75% of your transactional volume is refinances. For banks and lenders, you're yep. saying, right? Yep. 25% of it is purchase activity. It's the complete fucking opposite right now. And refinance volume has dropped off a cliff. Right. Like just gone. And it, it's probably a refinance crisis. If you want to look at it on a chart, I guarantee you it looks like it's just falling straight off. Yeah, I, I feel bad. The, I feel bad for the people out there that were convinced to buy and be like, there's going to be a rate cut by 2024. Don't worry about it. Dude, I went on podcasts two years. This is why I stopped going on people's podcasts in a large part. Is I went on podcasts like two years ago. I would have conversations with people, and they'd be like, oh, the Fed's going to cut by the end of the year. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure they're not, Chief. Yeah, they did say they would. Yeah. And they're like, no, no, no. They're, they're going to feel the pressure, and they're going to cut. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. Right. And I got so tired of talking to these like entrepreneur bros that clearly didn't understand the macro picture that just pissed me off to no end. Mm -hmm. But what I do see, and it's frustrating, is if you're going to have home values prop up, the single largest contributor to inflation going the wrong way, this last print, was what? Uh, shelter? Housing shelter. Yeah. That's right. Right. I think it was at 6%. That's, look at you, mathematical G. This is why you get the laureate. I'm trying, man. The numbers bleed in my mind. I get, I get big-time number, number merge. And we know this is, this is a slow, painful process, and we knew this. Everyone knew this going in. This wasn't going to be a sharp decline for the inflation reports, right? It's going to be slow and incremental. It has been consistently coming down. But at a slow cadence. So if transactional volume is super, super, super slow, mm -hmm. this is a simple math equation. Slow, slow, slow volume means slow, slow, slow change in values, right. right? If slow, slow, slow change in values is happening because you have a supply issue, which is being artificially manipulated to keep profits up for some of these corporations, right. what happens? You wind up in a situation where you don't fucking hit that 2% target rate right. for inflation. Right. You don't get there. You do not pass go. You do not collect $200. Mm -hmm. And Jeff is very happy that we're talking about and, data. Yeah, and here's and here's the problem with also the shelter inflation, right? We know it's rent and rent equivalent, mm -hmm. right? So a lot of that has to do with sometimes single-family homes in certain markets. This is all going to dovetail so nice. I'm so proud of us right now. Yeah, we're doing, we're, going, we're doing this, this. We're doing this like we're doing it twice a week. It's, it's, inter, it's interwoven here. <laughs> all this weaves together. Yeah. Stay you're, tuned to the very end. You're really good at this. You're very good at this too. Yeah, Rune, you're getting better. Yeah, yeah, I like you. Do you have anything to say? No. Nothing. Nothing. All right. Well, let's jump into uh, the Yahoo Finance article here on uh, on uh, layoffs. Yeah, let's and, do it. And uh, but so to that, I, I'm curious to get your point on this though um, on the rent and rent equivalent for shelter. Oh, I'm going there. Don't worry. So with rates being so high and people that are still buying homes in these new markets with with higher rates, mm -hmm. right? In order for them to rent out those homes, it's gonna rent in those areas are gonna have to be much higher, right? Except for if there's some like multifamily properties coming online. Well, there's a problem with that coming up in 2026, which we kind of hinted at the beginning of the show. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to talk in that particular segment about how all this pivots and only further adds fuel to the fire of this problem. Okay. So you're going to have the home builders who are going to bring homes to market slowly. And the, ideolo the ideology behind this is you see rents will drop. But what if there's something on the horizon which clearly states that they might not drop? And what if you've got a problem with the community banking sector brought on by the F FOMC's actions, which then equals a bigger problem for rents and then they're going the wrong way and housing going the wrong way. Let's hear it. Oh, don't worry. We'll get there. But in order to get there, we have to keep you hooked into the show. This is what we call the hook and we'll bait into the meat of it a little bit later. Right now, we're going to talk about layoffs. It does, it does tie in. Okay. According to Yahoo Finance, U.S. layoffs more than double month over month to start 2024. Yeah. All the layoffs we talked about in the last show, Xerox, UPS. I'm Snap. never- Snap. Yes, yeah, Snap. You do seem like a snap guy. <laughs> <laughs> J 
Job cut announcements in January increased to its highest level in 10 months as employers in the financial and technology sectors launched restructuring efforts, a report released Thursday showed. Announced layoffs reached 82,307 in January, a 138% surge from December's 34,817, according to data released by outplacement firm Challenger, Gray, and Christmas. What a name. Christmas? I'm very confused. (laughs) Uh, Which helps companies with the offboarding process for employees when they kick them out. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was the highest monthly total since March of 2023. Yeah, this fancy terminology, off. This is the offboarding process. They make, they make it all work. Yeah, just say you kicked their ass out. That's what you did. We're going to have a conscious separation, say, <laughs> an uncoupling. I like this. And as part of this uncoupling, you're going to work in a place that makes you feel warm and healthy and happy. Right. That has and some longevity. Unfortunately, us as an employer, we can't provide you that warmth. You know, you sound like you've done this one too many times. So just keep going. <laughs> so as much as I want to maintain a relationship with you, we just can't maintain it in the same place of employment. Got it. So please stay connected with me on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> on a yearly basis, announced job cuts overall actually fell 20% from January of 2023, which is an interesting, um, interesting kind of number. I think you'll see that that pivot the other way as we go through the rest of the year. Keep in mind, we're still in Q1 of 2024. Employers in the financial industry announced 20, 23,238 job cuts more than double the number from a year earlier. Listen, man, I know we we always laugh about it and we're lighthearted about these topics, but this shit scares the shit out of me, man. Especially when we're talking about tech and financial sectors, and we've talked about how it's a roll. It's going to be a rolling recession. It'll hit other industries and other sectors later. I can't wait for it to roll out of my sector. Just hurry up with the rate cuts, JP. I don't know that it's going to roll out of your sector anytime soon. It doesn't feel like it because. Yeah. Um, I, th- I have the stats here. So at the start of the year, there was a 76% chance that rate cuts would have started by March. Oh, yeah. It even crept up to like a little over 80% at one point. That is now below 10%. So mm-hmm. everyone hoping for a rate cut in March, see ya. Get out. At the start of the year, there was an over 90% chance that rate cuts would begin by May. That is now sub 40%. So, and here's the problem. It's not like the Fed didn't warn us. They said, higher for longer. And in their summary of economic projections, which they lay out what they envision happening, right? They said, we'll do three rate cuts next year. Mm. So, higher for longer. We'll probably won't cut till later in the year. And there's only eight meetings. So, you can probably book it at the Q3, Q4 mark. I don't know why there was so much optimism. It made no sense to me. Because the Fed has a history of being wrong. Okay. They've said in the, in the past these things in prior rate increasing cycles when they're pivoting to the rate cutting cycle. They've, they've always cited like this target range. They've almost never started at the target range. Right. So as much as is they're holding firm to it, I don't know that. I mean, again, I decided the, the, the idea that we're not going to hit the target numbers. They should be celebrating where they've gotten to. Don't, you know, rule in a place of fear. Let, exactly. Let's, let's. Let's let's I would be totally happy if Jerome Powell came out and said something effective like, look, we all sat down. We talked about it. Um, we asked Neil to leave the room and um, we thought, you know what? Look, there is a risk, however big or small, that inflation will continue to move the other way and that we won't hit the numbers 
we won't stay at the numbers that we want to for a healthy economy. Right. But we'd rather cut now, small, a small cut, 25 basis points, and see where the next two prints, three prints are. And we'll increase if we have to to try to keep pressure on a downward, downward cycle. The problem is they understand that with the cut, they think that there will be a lot of optimism swinging back. To yeah, them. but you can't control the impacts of behavioral economics anymore. Yes. And unfortunately, because people are so ingratiated into the markets now with their own technology, everybody has a fucking trading platform in, in their pocket. Yeah, exactly. Everybody. It's, it's instantaneous, right? There are X chats. There are Reddit forums. There's discords. There's assholes on social media offering courses. I literally talked to a bank executive, a guy who works in a publicly traded bank today. Okay. Okay. And I said, hey, man, I looked at your profile and it doesn't have your job on it. He's like, yeah, it's because I'm teaching a course on options trading. And I'm like, why would you do that? He's like, dude, I'm making way, way more money than my salary. And he's teaching people how to, how to do this, how to trade. It's everywhere in front of everybody now. And with this hustle culture and this in-your-face wealth and affluence and this, you know, FOMO Right. It, it's it's not like a newspaper. It's not like you're hearing about your friend who's got a friend and a cousin who's got a Lamborghini and oh my god, that guy's so rich. It's everybody around you appears to be rich. Yeah, and they all try to oversimplify it. And everybody's teaching you how to get rich, and everybody's selling a course. And hey, if you buy this stock and move this stock, so markets move faster, man. Mm -hmm. They just move faster. And for us to the FOMC to think they can control that, they're out of their fucking mind. Right. You're not going to control something that cannot be controlled. Yeah, it's a little outdated. Little? Yeah. Arun? What else is outdated? Are you even paying attention back there? Yeah. You're very quiet tonight. You okay? Yeah. You guys had your tinfoil hats on for a while? I'll let you guys go. You know, I, I can spring for a tinfoil hat for you if you'd like one. Give it one. Okay. I'll give you one. And, oh, uh, God. Yes, my child? Yes. <laughs> I know I'm coming through your ears from a place where you can't see me with your manicured eyebrows, but I do want you to know that Jesus loves you. Of course he does. He's your Lord and Savior. He's done good for me. You may know him as Muhammad. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they believe in Jesus too, man. No, Muhammad was Jesus. Huh? No, what? <laughs> oh, what Islamic school did you go to? What are you to? talking about, bro? They're actually both, they're both considered prophets. I know. I know. No, you I, don't. I, I don't think I, so. I, I do know. Oh I've had, long had a theory that if you take the Muslim specific prophets and overlay them on Christian like ideology, yeah, that Muhammad was more like Jesus. Mm. I mean, if you want my honest opinion, okay. I mean, we're not going to turn this into a religious, but although there is a higher standard religious podcast out there, they haven't released an episode in a very long time. Yeah, I may have sent them a <laughs> cease and desist letter. <laughs> I remember when we were filing our trademark, I was like, ooh, can't wait to get their ass. Oh, I sent him a cease and desist letter. I'm like, your motherfuckers put out of some shit. You're going to need Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> remember that girl we went after that the, the, the changed her podcast? Oh, my God. I don't think the listeners know about that. Kaylin Piles, whatever her name was. Yeah, she had, she had an Instagram page. She blocked me. Yeah, <laughs> she did. And then she tried to subsequently uh, start a podcast on the final day of our like trademark. Right? Yeah. And then she had to change it to raise the standard. Because we had the trademark. She didn't. Yeah. And uh, she never responded to me, never acknowledged <laughs> me, changed it, and then she stopped She stopped putting out episodes. Yeah. She's like one of like the 90% that never make it past 10 episodes. Yeah, exactly. And I listened to her show once. God, it was fucking bad. Was it? 
Let's not be. Let's not be those guys. Oh, I'm that guy. People are like, oh, why would you hate Chris? Because that's what I do, bro. <laughs> I'm calling it how it is. I'm not hating. I'm just being honest. Yeah. Her show sucked. Look, our our show sucks too in the beginning. The first like 50 episodes, Ooh. and then on the 60th sucked. episode. Plus, when when uh, like somebody comes on and like co-hosts with you, that's when shit starts to get good. Don't make me call Tim Chiasano. <laughs> was you, I even a part of that episode? You, you were, yeah. You said hello and goodbye. <laughs> What's up, Tim? Yeah, he doesn't listen to the show anymore. He's got his own podcast now. Yeah, yeah, which we haven't been invited. On. I wonder why. Mm. Uh, let's go down to the Reuters article, Arun. I think uh, I think now's a good transitionary time. Into the frigid temperatures chilling the U.S. retail sales and factory production. Saeed, mm. this is your baby. This is my baby. Yeah. Let's do this. So uh, U.S. retail sales fell more than expected in January, pulled down by declines in uh, receipts at auto dealerships and gasoline service stations. Retail sales dropped 0.8% last month, the Commerce Department Census Bureau said on Thursday, also likely weighed down by winter storms. Data for December was revised lower as well. So, interestingly enough, you've got all these positive numbers in the economy, according to everybody in the market, but yet retail sales are now falling. Consumer sentiment drives retail sales, right? Right. If I have to worry about money, I had, a, I had a, uh, another executive in the banking sector I talked to, ironically, today, and I said, hey, man, like, you know about that classic car you've been talking about for some time? And he goes, fuck, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why not? And he goes, dude, my household's on lockdown, bro. Really? He's like, we're locked down. Okay. And I'm like, what, what do you mean lockdown? He's like, we're not spending anything on anything unless we have to. I don't feel comfortable with the market. Good for him. And I was like, wow, that, that's uh, that's conservative. And he goes, dude, I, I don't know where the market's going, and it weirds me out. And I'm like, all right. Yeah, I think expectations are that GDP for Q1 is going to come in at a positive 2%. I actually haven't looked it up in quite some time. Odin, would you mind Googling that right now? GDP now from the Atlanta Fed? Because they update that weekly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But um, that just continues to blow me away, man. How can retail sales are now down? Here we go here. Look at that. Latest estimate, 2.9%. It's fucking wild. And it's usually pretty accurate, too. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I don't get it, man. I, I, really don't, I really don't get it other than the fact that we're walking. And you, honestly, I haven't heard a whole lot about the election this year. That's the problem. That, see, this is the problem for the Fed. Had they just or the government even, had they just not redefined what a recession is, let it happen way earlier. Now you're, it's, it's coming up against the election. Yeah, but you were, you were risking at the point in time, if, if a typical recessionary economy is 12 to 18 months, Yeah. right? Then you were likely to have the, the end of the de declared recession. So it started 2022 in theory, right? In January 1 to June. So then 18 months, you walk into mid-2023, 2024, 20 years, uh, one, one year, one year, so, yeah, beginning of 2024. Okay, so somewhere in there, right? Yeah. Then you have unemployment typically peak after. peaks after the end of a declared recession. So somewhere in the 18 to 24 month range, you're walking into the election year with super high unemployment. Right. So what's the thought process? If we if we declared a recession, then people like are frantic and they start what laying off people left and right. Because look, everything. If they would have just declared a recession back then, and we still got all these positive prints, if we're not wearing our tinfoil hats, things should have been operating the same way. Yeah, but uh, behavioral economics works both ways. Yeah. Right? It can go doom and gloom, like, tomorrow. Right. So, and then you run the, the risk of, of, well, 
it comes down to control and power. And how do you control a population? You tell them what they should be thinking. Right. Should you be afraid or not? But that, the problem with that is it's too late at that point. Right? For you to start being afraid now. You should have been preparing for this much earlier. I mean, it's, it's more than that, dude. I have, I have people around me in my ecosystem, and I won't mention any names, my brother, uh, who absolutely adamantly believe like the investor market in the real estate world will always be there. Mm-hmm. And he's not being malicious or lighthearted about it. He's he legitimately that that he believes that if the market gets worse, the deals for the investors get better, and there will always be investors in his business, which keeps him afloat. I mean, there were some investors out there in Q four of the end of last year. Yeah, and I would say that there's a pretty wild disconnect to what it's like to have capital as an investor and where that money comes from in a recessionary economy. Mm-hmm. Private money gets hit pretty hard. They take the riskier, you know, risks, if you will, the riskier uh, financial endeavors, and they get hit pretty hard. You got people who pull back on their spending. You got really hard debt to get, you know, to get because credit underwriting standards go up. And then if we walk through a cycle where banks consolidate or continue to consolidate at this cadence, then guess what? Fewer banks means less competition. Less competition means tighter standards, and right. tighter standards means less money for most people. Do you really want Walmart controlling and taking over all these mom and pop stores? And all you have to deal with now is Walmart? Is that something that everybody wants? I don't know. In the movie Demolition Man, every restaurant in the future was Taco Bell. Great movie. You left, you're a taco, I don't take you as a Taco Bell guy. Uh, my very first experience with fast food was a Taco Bell Mexican pizza. That was your very first experience? With not, well, outside of McDonald's. Yeah, McDonald's I was going to say, come on, man. McDonald's growing up, that was that was Golden that was Arches, baby. Yeah, and then, you know, some Jack in a Box after that. But, yeah. Like, my first, like, endeavor into, like, I'm going to try whatever fast food I want. Oh, this is Taco Bell place. I'm going to try that. And then I had a friend in high school who worked there, and, and he said enough to me to make me never eat there again. Ever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on. Not doing that. Yeah. You do not, don't eat Taco Bell. <laughs> How much would it take for you to have another Mexican pizza? It'll never fucking happen. Never? No. Come on. I, I, what I know now, no. Dude, their corporate offices are on the corner from here. I know, yeah. And they have, a, like, the most pristine Taco Bell location over here, around the corner from us right now. Right. That's their corporate headquarters. Like, that's where they go. Mm-hmm. I would never in a million fucking years eat there. Nope. <laughs> no. Not going to die. What are, what are our, our peeps over at the Kobisi letter have to say about these investors in the market? Yeah, this really caught me off guard. Uh, according to the Kobisi letter, investors bought 26% of low-priced U.S. homes that sold in Q4 2023, according to Redfin. And Redfin's data, historically, is pretty fucking solid. Yeah, they're friends over there. Yeah, that's the highest share on record and is up 24% compared to last year. This on the heels of us doing an episode of not too long ago where we said institutional buyers were not impacting the market. Well, that changed. Right. Yeah. So is that what they mean by investors, institutional buyers? No. So institutional buyers are generally people that have like 100 or more units. Okay. There's a, there's a certain kind of technical definition for it. So investors means like, in most cases, somebody who's looking to make money off this property in one way, shape, or form. Okay. So like my brother's so sentiment, for example. Any kind of investor, right. Right. By comparison, investors purchased 13.6% of mid-priced homes that sold compared to 14.3% a year earlier. And I wouldn't really, I really want to drive home a point here. It's going to piss off some people, but I want to do that just after I finish this. Investors also purchased 15.9% of high-priced homes that sold compared to 15.4% a year earlier. So while over uh, the overall investor purchases are falling, 
affordable homes are still being purchased by investors. Affordable housing is getting worse. Now, here's my, I have long, and Arun's going to pop up a chart here in the edit. It's going to be right, neatly placed between Saeed and I, and we're going to look at it like this. Yeah. Uh, no pressure. Arun. I have long said that. Uh, well, you fucked me on that one. Cause it's yeah, he, was, he, he wasn't on, he was on camera too. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> that's why we have the editable like format yeah um i have long believed that wholesaling real estate was very toxic to the markets and in some states wholesaling real estate so not legal so what is wholesaling real estate so wholesaling real estate you technically don't need a real estate license because you're not selling the property what you're doing is selling a contract to buy the property that's so crazy it's a workaround and i, t and I hate it so let's just say arun owns wait home. you hate workarounds no i i like reach arounds i hate workarounds <laughs> i mean in some cultures, they call it workarounds. And now Saeed will uh, provide an example of what a reach around looks like. <laughs> <laughs> if you look right here. Damn it. <laughs> Can't have one show without it. <laughs> oh, that was so good. Caught me off guard. So I have long. So let's pretend hypothetically that Arun owns a big ass home with a big ass park in front of it. And uh, he has uh, a call one day from me. Chris, the crackhead wholesaler. Let's role play. And uh, Arun, ring, 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 ring. Hello? Hey, uh, Arun. Uh, I um, I represent uh, an investor who would be interested in buying your property for all cash. Okay. How much? Uh, you know, um, what do you think it's worth? Mm, let me check uh, Zillow. Okay. You can do that. Check Zillow. Beep, 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 beep. 1.2 million. 1.2 million. Well, look. I'm going to buy it from you all cash. No contingencies. I'll buy it, you know, within one week. But I'm going to need you to do a little better than $1.2 million. To, you know, because I'm giving you, there's You're no headache. Pay. You're not going to pay any commission. You're not going to have any headaches. Yeah. You can sell it to me as is, and you get cash. You know you're going to close. Can you sell it to me for, I don't know, $1 million? One point one. So inevitably, you get a deal, right? Okay. And now I've got, this contract, I send it over to him. He signs it. I've got this contract to buy his property in cash. From Except, a buyer that you don't know yet who it is. Right. So now I go to you, Saeed. Okay. You're on my investor list. I go down my list, call my investors. Hey, Saeed, I have this beautiful property. Mm. It's valued at $1.2 on Zillow. Okay. I can sell it to you for $1 million, which we agreed to in contract. You're going to walk in at two hundred grand in equity. If you put some money into it, you could probably sell it for $1.5 million. It needs a lot of work, but, mm. you know, I think you can get it there. My cost to buy the contract from me is ten grand. Easy money. So I sell the contract to you for ten grand. Yeah, boom. I'll take it. Done. Yeah, you, you make money. I make money. He loses some money. Now, the problem is this usually happens in a very predatory space um, in the lower end of the spectrum because really? people who have really expensive homes typically don't do the wholesale thing. It's usually much lower end homes or you know, oh, homes see. that need a lot of help or people who need a lot of help. So it, it can be a very predatory business. I could see how it could also, you know, take advantage of the elderly. Yeah. It, there's lots of horror stories. And I've, I've been, I've been very concerned over the ethics of the situation. Proponents of it will like Jamil and those guys will tell you all the benefits it provides. And I'm sure there's use cases for that. That was a beautiful breakdown though. Was it? I think you, we really simplified it. Oh, well, there you go. Well, that being said, I'd like to see this regulated. I, I think this should fall under the Department of Real Estate, and I think if you're selling contracts to buy real estate, you're essentially selling real estate. Absolutely, I don't. I don't. I personally don't see how it's not. Yeah. So 
I don't like the business for a number of reasons. This uh, certainly is is one of them. Uh, you know, you can take advantage of people, and that's where I think most people get it. Uh, but th those are the investors, people like you trying to walk into equity. And because wholesaling has come up in a big way in recent years, bigger than it ever really had been historically, because so many people on social media are saying, look, you don't need a real estate license. You can get started with zero money. Right. If you sell one of these contracts, you make ten grand. I could I could see a world, too, where some of these guys that have been in the game so long have an investor list, and they say, look, affordability, this issue with affordability is not going anywhere anytime soon. Mm -hmm. I, can, I think that they're going to need to implement this 40-year mortgage that we've been hearing about. And what is that ultimately going to do to home prices? It's going to shoot them up higher. It's gonna, so you're going to be walking into more equity, man. Well, and that's why this rhetoric continues to build in the real estate circles where you've got people who are saying, okay, you know, who are saying, look, values are only going up from here. There's a shortage. Now, think about how interested all the parties are here. You've got builders who have an interest in keeping the values up. Of course. Right? You've got the realtors who have an interest in keeping values up. And despite all the turmoil there, the real estate fund, National Association of Realtors, they ran out of their insurance. They're out of insurance. So, if you get sued as a realtor, normally you'd be covered by their insurance policy. Nope, you're out. Yeah, on your own. Yahtzee, yeah, you're done. So what, why even be a realtor at this point? But other yeah. than the access to MLS, which I'm sure Zillow and Redfin are to displace, but I digress. So realtors have a value. Uh, uh, they they make more money on commissions that are higher. Now the good ones will tell you ethically they're gonna they don't care whether they make a little bit more or a little bit less. They want to sell somebody the right home for them. Blah blah blah. Whatever. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds nice in theory. That's great for individual realtors. Unfortunately, the associations take historically has been the solution. The affordability issue is lower rates, not lower home values, because they get paid right. on that. Mortgage brokers get paid on the highest loan to value a commission mm -hmm. on the actual loan amount, not on the rate. Right. Right. Now there was some buy up and buy down, but generally speaking, that's it. Now, I'm sure there's some earnest fiduciary people, good people out there, but generally speaking, almost everybody in this chain gets paid more values keeping up. Wholesalers, same thing, right? I want to buy low from Arun, mm -hmm. but I want to sell high for you because I want you to, as an investor to buy contracts from me because right. you're going to make the money on the deal. Right. And the more money you make on the deal, the more I can charge you for that contract. Right. Well, it could be 20 grand instead of 10 grand. But at some point, right, with the amount, with the low activity, Eventually, I think the smart ones out there are going to have to be willing to make less on a on a per deal basis to ultimately make more all in. Maybe, or you get supply which ultimately levels out, and then someone says, "Why do I need you, wholesaler? I can get my own contracts." Yes, homes aren't hard to find anymore. There's ample supply in the market, mm -hmm. and th there's there's always wholesaling comes and goes pretty pretty rapidly. The, the only draw right now is that people can start online. They can pay some asshole for some documents or a course, and they can get into it with very little skill and no licensing requirement. And they can hopefully make ten grand with selling one contract. You do two of those a month, twenty grand. Wow, right? You know, five a month, fifty grand. Wow, you know, yeah. So it's got some real earning potential in this space, but it also goes away almost overnight. Uh, we do have another article to uh, touch on, which I think is uh, uh, kind of right in line with this topic and one that we foreshadowed earlier. Yeah, let's go. This is from Forbes. Excess supply of apartment deliveries now, but possible shortages by 2026. Yeah. Wow. So I actually I actually took down the numbers here from the article uh, to read off into the show. Um, they actually get into rents as well. Rents are on the decline, uh, and it's because supply levels are high. So in 2023, approximately 575,000 units are supposed to be coming online. Mm -hmm. In 2024, 475. And by 2025, a more normalized amount of 350,000. Notice the decline. 575, 
475-350. And on top of all that, right now, housing starts are, I think, uh, the the lowest since April of 2020. Mm-hmm. Shocker, since the pandemic. Yep. So if you're Grant Cardone, you're peeing a little bit in your pants with joy and excitement. <laughs> really? Yeah. No, you're super happy. Excited. Because your 10-year hold may actually prove to be valuable because what's going to happen here is you're going to see rental rates rise. Okay. Over the course of the next couple of years, you'll probably see some volatility. But certainly by 2026, if you look at deliveries to the market, unless we figure out affordability in the housing market, which doesn't seem to be on the on the foreshadowing future anytime soon, unless you figure out affordability, unless you figure out uh, a cost of funds, which I don't even think if you, if you get a cheaper cost of funds and rate cuts happen, you get down to what we were historically, 5 to 6% maybe, but right now you're, you're 7% handle mm-hmm. on 30-year mortgage rates. There's not a solution for this out there right now that's visible. Right. So what happens? Rental rates go up and home values stay where they are unless there's a crash. But as of right now, it's so this is really with rental rates, it's regional, right? Very regional. So yeah. actually in this article, Ordun, can you scroll down a little bit, please? Very regional. It's, so the the smile states, if you will. So the Sun Belt region. So think uh Calif- Southern California is kind of really a little bit of an outlier, but when you go down like uh Texas, uh Florida uh, Arizona, Las Vegas. Uh, yeah, there you go. Right there. So rental rates are across the nation right here, right? The smile states, like Chris said, mm-hmm. down 0.1% in LA, down 2.1% in Phoenix, down 1% in Dallas, but up 4.1% in Chicago. So the Midwest, notice the, the huge swing. That's a yeah. complete different, telling a completely different story. And then Atlanta down 2.6%. You know, and I should point out, I, this is going to sound strange, and I know it sounds fucking weird, but I can't tell you how many times I watch CNBC and a self-proclaimed expert in the sector comes on and doesn't understand this. Okay. The regional nature of housing, affordability, rents, deliveries to the market. They talk about the macro market. Oh, home values are going up. Okay, that's not very specific, specific, dude. Come on, like, yeah. that, like, what are you doing? Right. And then they go, oh, 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 rental rates are going down. And you're like, okay, where, where do you live? Oh, I live in Texas. Well, no fucking wonder you feel that way, dude. Right, exactly. You know, and it's just, it's so inconsistent. So take a lot of what you see on social media with a grain of salt because it, you could easily skew this data, mm-hmm. easily skew it based on where you're where you're living at or where you're going and, and you know what your perspective is and who you're excluding or or the average across these things you could do this by number of apartment units across the country and that's probably an invalid representation you right. want to know why because there's going to be more density on the coasts right because if you're going to cite the the figure that they had of you know 575,000 units coming on last uh, last year and 475 coming on this mm-hmm. year at some point you got to say oh there's going to be an excess supply rents are probably going to be coming down Right for for right now, and then ultimately going back up, you know, in a couple of years from now. Okay, but that's not the case for the Midwest right now. Yeah, Midwest it doesn't have a lot of units coming online. So what are they going to do? Their rents are still going up. As an underwriter, you probably appreciate this. I spent some time talking to a former underwriter for Signature Bank, which was ultimately sold to New York uh, Community Bank. Yeah, and I found out two interesting facts. One of which I've already shared with you is they were underwriting in some cases to pro forma future potential upside in rents, which is saying if they hit this then they'll make enough money for this loan to be reasonable. Which is wild to me. The other thing that was wild is the debt service coverage ratios, the 
all the income to the relative expenses that they had, that ratio, which is really the moniker for how healthy a deal is in the multifamily apartment world. Right. They were representing that as interest only debt service coverage ratio. Oh, wow. Very, of, very, very loose. And really yeah. because the loan that they were getting was only going to be interest only. Yeah. So typically speaking in a conservative or a more standardized approach, a lender would represent the strength of a transaction based on the principal and interest. And they'd be underwritten to the principal and interest you know, cash flow. Like right. if you had to repay back principal in addition to your interest only loan, even though you might've gotten an interest only loan, right? that would be what we qualify you on, but you don't have to make interest only payments, but we know that you'd make enough money to pay for the principal and interest. If right. And that's something for the listeners that don't really understand the space. Really when you're underwriting these, these deals, like these apartment uh, buildings, what you're doing is you're taking all the rents, all the income that it's making, you, t- you subtract all the expenses that it makes, and then you hit them for the debt payment that Chris was talking about, the principal and interest, and how mm-hmm. much is left over. The higher, you know, the debt service coverage ratio, the better the deal is. My point with all that is, is with such a wide differing standard of how the debt markets work as it relates to these regions, how the regions have different densities, how their markets might have more deliveries to them. Each one of these has unique attributes that cannot be, be ignored when you're trying to figure out, is the market healthy? Right. Now, the problem for America is that because these so-called self-proclaimed experts that people push in front of you in places like CNBC come out and make these wide overreaching statements or these realtors on social media or these wholesalers on social media, you get a lot of disinformation out there that's really hidden behind their agenda. To sell you a course, to sell you sensationalized news, to keep you invested in the idea of a bull market versus a bear market, to keep you happy and optimistic while watching this show and want to come back and watch it again. Right. There's all sorts of differing, weird, foggy agendas. The problem here is, is housing. Okay? Your your cost of living is the largest component to inflation. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And if shelter, that big component doesn't come down. You don't hit the 2% target number. You don't get there. And the Fed can hold rates until the end of fucking time. It doesn't look like you're getting to 2% anytime soon. And I hope I'm wrong, but I don't feel very confident in getting there. No? No. Not without a housing uh, housing fallback. Do you feel as confident as Trump does now that he's going to be able to pay off this $355 billion? <laughs> he lost, So he lost his civil fraud case, okay? Mm. And... He has to pay $355 million. Something tells me he's going to appeal it, but we'll see. I don't know if he can or oh, he'll he can't. Oh, for sure appeal. Um, um, he'll drag this bitch out, right? Uh, so and just as a reference for everyone that anyone that wants to know, and if you don't know what's going on with him, um, he's being accused of inflating the value of certain properties or other assets for quote-unquote financial gain. Okay. All, all people in the real estate markets that all, get aggressive, try this. Try this. And as an underwriter in this space, you, you see it all the time, and then you... Um, you're supposed to take a conservative approach and discount the value of those properties. Now, I would point out, generally speaking, somebody who owns as, as much real estate as he does, mm-hmm. it's not like he's the one going in making accounting decisions. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's not like he's like, hey, there, you know, guy. He's not um, managing his portfolio. You know this uh, property you got listed at $350 million? Just let, let, let's make that 400 Right. I feel like it's worth 400 I I had heard of stories of him actually getting some properties valued, getting appraised and getting valued less so he can find a loophole to gain paying less taxes on them. Again, is that really him? Or is, or that, is just, that somebody in his organization? Or is that, is that also the system that lets him get away with that? 
I, I, I have a real tough time believing he's actually property managing his own properties. I, I have a, a hard time believing that. But on to these sneakers for the sneakerheads out there because we're sneakerheads. So I thought this was AI. <laughs> I, I, I was going through Twitter. And I'm like, ha, ha, somebody made a Trump shoe with AI. That's funny. Dude, he really tried to go after the Jordan ones. That's they what, are Jordan. I mean, it does look like that, that. That's what he. That's what he tried to do. So you know what these are called right here? No. Okay, say what you want about the guy, but his marketing team, like Andrew Schultz said, this guy's got the best merch. Air Trump One. What is it? <laughs> Never surrender. That's the name of the shoes. That's the name, that's the name of the golden high tops. Why are they gold? They're the because you know that that's his whole thing. The Trump Towers were gold. Right, I think there was someone did like an MTV Cribs back in the day. He had like a golden toilet. Yeah, right? he did. Remember? So it's like it's a play on that. Now there's high tops, there's low tops, there's some that are three ninety nine a pair. Wait, hold on, it gets better. They sold out within like hours or minutes, I should say. It really did. Three hundred ninety nine dollars. I saw a guy buy some for nine grand. Apparently, they're on eBay, bro, for forty five thousand dollars. What? That's what I'm saying. I know my sneaker plug the, don't have these. Yo, the Never Surrender High Top Sneaker. Say what you want about the guy. Fire name. I mean, that's a sick name. You can't beat that. Never. And why did he decide to do this? I don't know why he decided. Why not? It's a cash grab, bro. Why wouldn't he do this? I, just, why sneaker? He's not even a sneakerhead. Bro, can you imagine? $4,500. $7,999. $7,000. 19, $19,999.99. What is this? Sold, Sold out? out? Four hundred fifty thousand. What is this? One thousand pairs. Bro, for I'm trying. Grand? I'm trying to tell you, man. This is is bananas. So you imagine? Remember the chaos that the the red hat like caused? Was imagine if you bought these shoes? Because look, that's a hat, right? Someone could try to grab your hat and you move out the way. But what if somebody comes and steps on your shoes? That's like nine thousand dollars. I'm so confused. I swear to God, when I saw this on Twitter, I'm like, oh, that's cute. Who's? Because you know, like. It's like I thought it was like a deep fake porn or something. Like you I know, know like it got, wasn't like real. I know he's got a huge following base in like Middle America. Are they buying this? I mean, what's going on here? Here's the pro okay. I'm gonna goddamn it. I'm gonna come do on, this. man. I'm, I'm gonna make a. Political I feel like statement. you're holding back. I need, I need, I need some, some real, uh, some, some thoughts here. Okay, okay, you want some real thoughts? Yeah. Early Trump campaign, Trump era president. I fucking hated the guy. I hated the guy too. In incited a lot of hate. I hated the incitement. I hated all the bullshit. But I'm an older, wiser human now. Okay. And I got to tell you, I've seen some pretty manipulative shit from the Democrats, too. Oh, it's both sides, man. But the problem is, I'll say, uh, and we've always said we didn't want to get too political no, on this right. show. No one listens an hour and 13 minutes in. Y'all are yeah, off. There's nobody here. Y'all are Jeff. off, right? The, thing, the only thing that I didn't like, it just felt like a lot of people were really comfortable with talking about their hate speech. Yeah, but here's the That's thing. the problem. It, it got too comfortable for me. But here's the thing, though, is is that can be weaponized both ways. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I get that he didn't he didn't condemn things that we traditionally think are bad. Yeah. Right? And, that, that, and look, that's not me taking a stance on a political party or not. No, just, I mean, absolutely just, not. Right. It's just... But at me, the same time, like, if you look at the macro picture, and I, I, I hate to say this, because <laughs> I... Just, he shot a jump shot. He took a paper a towel roll, paper towel roll, and he went to Puerto Rico when they got flooded. And he like shot it like a jump shot into the crowd. 
out. What? You don't remember? That went viral. I don't. I don't think I. I, I tuned Dude, out of all. He, he went and visited the, the victims there, like I don't know, a week or two weeks later, and he had paper towel rolls, and he literally shot it like a jump shot. Jeez. Imagine him come. <clears throat> imagine him coming out in a presidential debate with these shoes on. You know he's going to. That's going to happen. Has to. <laughs> now he's getting. He's Honestly, if he doesn't do it, I'll be so disappointed. Although I don't see him wearing them with a suit. I mean, I don't. How's that work? Why? Ernie Johnson wears sneakers with suits. Yeah, it's very cliche now. It was really popular in my day, but apparently it's like it's a real faux pas now. Your in day. my day, see, boomer, <laughs> boomers stay booming. I don't have a good retaliatory statement to that. <laughs> boomers stay booming. <laughs> that, was, that was horribly boomer esque. Here's here's my here's my conundrum, okay? And I mean this with no disrespect to anybody. Who who's gonna who's gonna win a, a presidency right now if not him? Who would yeah. you pick? I, I honestly, no. It's it's the world's shittiest popularity contest. I, who would you pick? Yeah, there's not a good candidate. Biden, honestly, I swear to God, I don't mean any disrespect to him. Doesn't look like he has all his faculties. This is not me based on the rhetoric. No, no this no. is just me judging the man on my own personal opinion. Yeah, like he looks lost. No, he does not look like someone that's sound enough to. And he doesn't look healthy. Both these men are fucking old, man. Yeah, not good representatives. No. Not at all, but uh, again, who I, I I don't who are you gonna pick? Out of the Michelle Obama run at this point, yeah, hundred percent. Have a run. Oh yeah, no, she don't want to though. I, why would you? No, this why? job she, sucks. It's the worst job. The worst fucking job. Four hundred thousand dollars, five hundred thousand dollars. What are we doing here? And you know what I'm doing. On and here. and dude, they gotta they gotta pay for their own groceries in the White House. Like y'all can't like what? The, I'm running the country. Y'all can't give me groceries. Day after my inauguration, okay? They got to bring I'm their president. own sheets? Let me tell you exactly what I do. Their own bed sheets? I know, I know. Exactly what I do. Here's what I do, okay? All right, guys. First day in office. Let's get the uh, Air Force One going. Where are we going, Mr. President? I'm going to Area 51, motherfucker. Let's go. <laughs> I got to know right yeah, now. I want to see all the aliens. Yeah, uh, Mr. President, that's G14 classified. Yeah, I don't give a G14 fuck. Let's go. <laughs> I'm sure I can get clearance. Figure that shit out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm good for it. Yeah, Nixon saw it, okay? You don't know. He told everybody I can't everything. remember. I can't well, that's remember. That's the first thing that they do when they get elected. They go into a room, open up a folder, and it has everything in it. Yeah. No, they, you get your launch codes and shit like that. They get, sure. they get the launch codes, and I'm sure they, they're they looking for that secret key for the Oval Office desk. Like, yeah, people in the alien community actually don't believe that the president has full disclosure, although there's some interesting stories about prior presidents. Bro, uh -huh, listen right now. If there were aliens, all right? Trump would have been out and telling everybody already by now. He's got the biggest mouth. No, hell no, he wouldn't. Yeah, come on, man. For sure he would. Oh, no, he, no, bro, no, 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 If he was smart, you would have put it like an alien on the inner sole of the shoe. That's, that's what he should have put. <laughs> and said they all have trackers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, look, I, I honestly don't think that he would. Really? It, it doesn't benefit him to, to, to... Keep in mind, a lot of his voting population were religious. Bro, he would be like OJ where he says, like, if I did know there were aliens, you know, listen, like, if I did do it. Like, it's like, he's like, listen, I know you guys love Jesus Christ and all. But what if I told you that he was an alien? <laughs> I mean, I'm saying what if I'm not saying that it, he was. I'm saying what if? Yeah, what if what if this whole black or white thing? What what if Jesus was purple? You know, I mean, it's a good what if question. Yeah. And if you want to see him, he's in a can in the back. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't help him, man. Like, I, this is where I look at stuff. Like, Trump could have done a lot of things. He could have thrown a nuclear bomb towards somebody. He could have done a lot of things. I mean, despite the rhetoric. No, man, he doesn't care enough, man. Dude, he's probably happy he only had to serve one term. He's like, get me the fuck out of here. I bet you he's already built his fucking bomb shelter just like everybody else has. Obviously.
telling you, man, these doomsday bunkers are freaking me out, dude. Yeah. All right, let's get to that review. Yeah, let's get to that review, man. Let me pull it up right now. Uh, long-time listener, friend of the program, Raul from Texas, back at it again. These promises come through, man. Honestly, no one has come through more than this guy. We love you, Raul. We do love you, Raul. So far, it's like you're giving us 30 stars. Yeah. Honestly, everybody needs to learn a little bit from Raul. Raul's still at it with the reviews. He captioned it. Five stars. My vision board is now has two, three episodes per week. And I love Raul. I do. Honestly. You know, vision, he's taking shots. That's what vi- he's doing. Vision here. boards are completely full of shit. Well, he's taking a shot at me. That's what he's completely doing. Completely fucking. And honestly, useless. with the amount no, of no, no, we established that you just use the wrong vernacular. Yeah, you have goal setting. goal setting. That's yes. different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Arun's the kind of guy who has a vision board. No man. Arun, yeah. Arun's definitely sure. gonna do vision boards. He's for girls. sure got hot dogs on it. <laughs> I'm gonna, Only yours. I'm gonna take down thirty hot dogs <laughs> on this Saturday. Oh God! Have you ever watched like a full no hot dog eating just, contest? I've, I've seen the highlight reels. It's you ever watched the whole thing? No man. Nathan's really. No, what, what's that guy's name that uh, has the record? Joey Chestnut. Joey Chestnut, bro. Chestnut. Wow, you say it like you, that's the homie. Joey Chestnut was the, the American man. American legend, man. Yeah, bro, fucking that, icon. Dipping it in water to me is so gross. Oh, okay, we can, we, we're at the end of the episode. Jeff's not listening, right? <laughs> Jeff's can, gone. Can, did y'all yeah. see Jaden? Jaden Smith has got a girlfriend? No, no, no. Huh? No, so I, I, saw, I saw the headline. I didn't. See what it was. So though. he posted some some pictures to Instagram. I like his music. I, I honestly thought. Wait, what's wrong with, with Jaden having a girlfriend? I don't get it. Okay, wait, let me get. Hold on. Let me get there. Okay. Right. So his acting career kind of sucked, right? Uh, okay, we're gonna leave this here because we're gonna use this. It's on Ola, by the way. If you fucking great source. <laughs> Ola con Jaden Smith. <laughs> I just clicked on the picture with the girl. Very authoritative, Dick. <laughs> so good. Today on Ola. CNN. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> you could have gotten like Perez Hilton or some shit, man. Jesus. You're supposed to be marketing. <laughs> Today on Oi. Um, all right. So he posts some pictures saying, music soon. I've been busy. And they post pictures of these, this, this photo right here of his girl and him. Uh, first of all, he's definitely been on some creatine. Yeah. So he's, he's gained a lot of weight. Yeah. Right. And I'll be honest with you. I didn't like him as an actor. Clearly his dad was trying what? to. What? No, bro. After Earth, did you see After Earth with him no, and Will? No, no. Clearly, his dad only did the movie to get him a role. Mistake by you watching that. I mean, Pursuit of Happiness. You didn't like that, bro. He was he wasn't fucking old enough to be acting. He was, he was four years old. Yeah, he was. Wait, just, hold on. He was acting though. No, he wasn't. He was his dad. He was acting like his dad was his dad. Come at on, four, man. bro. Get the fuck Come out of here, bro. He was he was in the bathroom, crawled no, up next no, no. to him. Don't let Will Smith's performance, which brought you to tears at the end of the movie. Change the perspective that his son wasn't acting. That's daddy. God, when he had to give that five dollars, yeah, it was like, big. No, I get it. I'm just saying that wasn't him acting. Okay? okay, that was him looking at daddy doing what daddy said in the movie. That's fucked up. You're That's the away. truth, man. You're taking away from his greatness. You know, they're, no. he's, gonna, he's gonna cancel you. Okay, so he's now been busy with the. Uh, so he Zada? said, "I've been." Bu- I don't even know what his name is. His other name is. I saw the so headline. It, yeah. Anyway, and then he posts these pictures of him looking healthy, a little bit bigger, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Says new music soon. And this girl looks like the female version of him. I see that. Like they got grills, they got the hair. First of all, I wasn't I thought for sure he was gonna come out at some point in time and say that he was like, you know, he had some weird pronouns and shit or being a dude. I did, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's very weird style wise. This was I caught me completely off guard. I don't like the whole emo approach thing, man. It's like, God. And he's at Disneyland like a true player? Like a true player? I mean true player for only real. Only good looking cats go to Disneyland. Sab Zada, level, yeah, I, I don't, leveling up. I don't up. know who she is, but I, it, I, was, I was stunned. Okay, so he's, so this is it. This is the story. Like I've been busy. This is why I haven't released new music. Yeah, because you know he's 
I mean, Icon, you know, Icon was a good song. I like that song. Icon, yeah, Will Smith's remix, though, the Mexican one. Way better. One, oh, my God. Way better. Yeah, it was fire. It's so good. Oh, Icon Living. Yeah, he, he crushed it. Yeah. One day I'll be in an island, Icon Living. Can we, can we bring Will Smith back? We, I think we can single-handedly bring him back. Oh, you seen Adrian? If we give him our stamp of approval, Adrian Purr on uh, Instagram. No, I don't know who that so is. Adrian is this. Uh, it's OMG Adrian or something like that on uh, Instagram. I've been oh following yeah, the guy. He's really good at uh, scripting his videos. Right. Yeah, he's yeah, not yeah, a yeah. music director. So Will Smith literally tagged one of his or po- reposted one of his videos on his feed, and then with a comment of like, "When we shooting?" Wow. And he woke up. Like Adrian woke up and was like, "What the fuck? This is yeah, wow. This that- is not on, not on my vision board for 2024." <laughs> That guy is, yeah, he's, um, this guy is talented. So it wasn't in, he didn't actually post it. So that video right there, the vertical, the video, vertical video one right there on the left, there you go, that yep. one. That's on Will Smith's page. If you go to Will Smith's page, he posted that and asked when we shooting. Like this guy just got on, like Adrian, I think a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. got on to social media and uh, scroll down right there, top middle, top middle, top middle. Top, there you go, right, right there. there yep. So he reposted it and literally said in this post, like when we shooting. How wild is that? There you go. Great pointers. Oh, my God, Adrian, when are we doing a shoot together? Wow. How wild is that? See, Will Smith's a cool motherfucker, bro. Like, not everybody, like, nobody cool. does that shit. See, yeah, no, the fact that he's using his platform like this is Yeah, awesome. but keep in mind, so Will Smith also got on social media because he saw The Rocks and Kevin Hart's yeah. success with it. So he's trying to stay relevant. He's got his 64 team, million his, followers. His team knows what he's doing. They, oh, they yeah. They know what they're doing. They're leveraging the brand. They're leveraging the brand, but he also knows that this guy's got something good going here. It's how you expand your brand. Now, go back to Adrian's page real quick, Arun. Go up to the top, very top. So, 380. He's grown fourteen, no, 16,000 followers in 24 hours. I mean, it's a little light. I mean, it's nothing compared to the higher standard. I was saying, he had 65 million, you said? Only 64. 14? Bro, it's so hard to get engagement. But on once, it, once they shoot the video, it'll, it'll pop off. I mean, you would hope. I would but hope so. Anyway, I mean, he's got guy. a little Nas X on his page. <laughs> you shot a video for him, music video. Not a little Nas X fan, although I did like uh, Industry Baby with Jack Harlow. Jack Harlow's growing on me. I like Jack Harlow a lot. Yeah. Very uh, underrated because his ego comes off that way, but I think he's I think he's legitimate. Yeah, he's cool. Yeah. Well, um, somehow. An hour and a half in. I was going to try to keep it to an hour. Were you? Yeah. How's that working out for you? <laughs> well, I had a great time. Yeah. Arun, well, did you have a good time? Great time. Great time. Great. Just great. I can't believe Donald Trump released shoes. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask my sneaker guy tomorrow if he can get it for me. Just put it right <laughs> here. Just, just, just to fuck with him. Just put it right here. <laughs> I would never wear those, by the way. No, it'd be right here. On- uh, well, Bro, he had a friends and family package. It says it on the box. I know. And I he know. signed the toe. When, when, you, when you told me about this, I actually went down the rabbit hole, and I'm like, this is fucking, it's still mind-blowing to me. Yeah. Yeah. Odun, you got anything? Nope. You got anything for me? I'm mind blown. Mind blown? Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully you tune in next week to another episode of The Higher Standard. This is so awkward. This is the the, the segue is awkward. What do you mean awkward? You got to give me something to wrap up the show. When I say, hey, do you got anything? You got anything? You got to give me something. Well, here, how about this? Google lays off another 12,000 employees. Begin worrying. Oh, man. The AI possibilities out there now with the video, it's it's getting crazy. Sora, the, the deep fakes are getting Shit's wild. The deep fakes are getting yeah wild, man. I, I mean, you said that they were able to draft like a whole movie script, right? Yeah, the guy was playing with it, so they don't have access to everybody. But he he literally drafted an entire like two hour movie script by just descriptions. 
And if you go on to OpenAI's page and you look at their kind of like their page for dedicated to Sora, uh, which is their version of text to video, mm -hmm. uh, they show you the prompts they use and what they got. And it is fucking incredible. I mean, I haven't been uh, following up on it, but... I've been staying very close to it. Is there any um, any update on when the, they may release 5.0? I'm going to... I I Look, I... Oh God, this is going to be... So they have, to, they have a lot they have to go through. I'm going to throw out a hypothetical, which I think is very informative. And if you have to get past the gross sexuality of this, but I'm using this as a context for porn led the way uh, VHS, porn led the way on DVDs, porn... You've said that before. Yeah, yeah porn and It leads the way for everything. It leads the way because it's just where the demand is. And, and, I, and I hate to make it that, mm -hmm. but porn will lead the way for virtual reality, right? Porn will lead the way for augmented reality. But imagine a world where... Your porn can literally be anything you want to see. You can type a prompt in and then wham. You get whatever you want to see. It's no longer searching for content. You're literally creating the content you want to see. Mm. That to me as a use case is scary. Yeah. Because what if you want to see something that's illegal right now? It's not actually happening. You're just you're asking for images to be there's so many weird like pivots that oh, this can go I see what you're saying. Yeah, right no, like no, what if you want to see something that's illegal right. but it's not real you're just seeing it right is are you is you watching a movie are you you i mean wh where do you draw the ethical lines yeah. what if you want to see porn of arun yeah doing something the ethical lines are so wild to me imagine like, i was thinking I was thinking about this like a while ago when there were some cases that were coming up about people that were getting caught up with this stuff. It's insane. And they were talking about it and they're like, imagine like back in the day when this ethical line was initially drawn mm -hmm. and somebody was like, yeah, age should be 18. And someone's like, nah, man, it's too old. Let's make that shit 14. And another was like, nah, 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 it's way too low. Let's make it 16. Well, and right. you're like, That's, bro, this is ugly. This is gross. Like people are sitting around talking about this and that's how it gets decided. Well, I mean, and now, okay, what if you're looking at an image of something that's below that age? Right. But it's not a real person. It's just something that you created. Like, so let's just use a different hypothetical. Let's just say you watched a cartoon of a really gross event that's illegal. Yes. Is that the same thing as possessing underage pornography? I mean, there, there's so many weird things. What if, okay, let's, let's use a non-sexual example. I feel, like, I feel like you can't allow that shit to happen. L okay, let, let's just say you can now type there's in. There's no world that, where that should ever be acceptable. Okay, let's say I go to uh, AI and I say, hey, uh, create a likeness of this person. And I show it the CEO of a company. And I say, create an image of him or her uh, requesting this, this, and this, and this, or whatever, right? Right. Or what do I say? Or how about this? We use AI, and now you combine. Well, that's with... literally how easy it is. Yeah. What if you say, "Hey, uh, you copy this person's voice, and have this person say, I want X, Y, and Z.'" Or, in the real, more likely upcoming scenario, which is going to happen much faster than we realize, what if you say, "Create an avatar skin where I look like this person, and then I now FaceTime you, looking like somebody that isn't me, and I look and sound like that other person." Yeah. In real time. Yeah. It's fucking wild, man. In, it's Ready Player One. It, it really is Ready Player One. Mm -hmm. I, you could literally be anyone, look like anyone, sound like anyone. All your fraud detection shit goes right out the window. Right. And before this could ever make it on Congress's desk to establish any kind of regulation, it's too late. 
Well, and here's the problem. If you've used OpenAI right now, and I've used it a lot, mm-hmm. you can't request a an AI image of Jerome Powell. Right. But you can request an AI likeness of Jerome Powell. Right. And here's the problem that people don't a realize. A hyper-realistic version of Jerome Powell with the same skin complexion and yada, yada, yada. But not actually Jerome but Powell. But not, yeah, you literally go on and say that, and then it'll produce the image. So here's the problem that most people don't realize, is there is no way to put in a limit, a rule, a restriction for AI, yeah. which stops all the possible variants of asking questions around that limit. Right. And there is no way to restrict it. Yeah, and... I mean, not to scare anybody too, but this this same freedom of us being able to create in you know for technology to advance the way that it has mm. is the reason why you know we have the number one economy in the world, right? You know, technology has really led the way, you know, for a lot of it and where we are today. So it's like, do you really want to now hinder that, right? I don't know, because that now messes with your whole economy as a whole. You try to establish some type of regulation there, right? Like. Think um, there was there was a debate going on that I listened to a couple months back where it's like that's the number one problem over there in China, right? There's so much um, regulation mm-hmm. that it's like they're so afraid of doing anything. I remember when um, I think there was some NBA teams that went to go play over there, okay, and um, it was during their during COVID, and they weren't allowed to be seen out, so they were literally there were some people out there wearing like burkas. To cover their faces because they didn't want anyone to see them and who they was because they knew there was going to be cameras around. So imagine you have a society that's like that and you basically have a gun to their head saying, be creative, but don't step out of line. You can never be creative like that. You need the ability to be free and think free. So then what? You Now you have you know our economy and our society and look what we're able to establish. And it's like maybe that's the reason why we have that ability, that freedom to think freely. And that's why we're able to advance technology the way that we have. But most of America doesn't have the ability to think freely. You have the ability to think freely within the confines of what you think is freedom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you also have to answer to your employer, obviously. Well, it's not only that. You answer to society. And society's opinions are largely controlled by people with power, control and power. Right. And how do they control most people? With money. Mm-hmm. And I know it sounds very conspiratorial, I guess, if you will. But the reality that people are facing is this paradigm is shifting that the brave new world is here. And I do think that AI plays a huge portion of why you're seeing all these doomsday bunkers. There is a a world where shit changes so dynamically fast that you just cannot control it. Yeah. And AI is a very dangerous point right now. We're at an inflection point. We are at a really, really dangerous inflection point. And I've started to stay as close to it as I can. You're going to get to a point where there's no value in having a lawyer. Yeah. AI will do 45, 50% of the work of every attorney in the country. Mm-hmm. You won't need a paralegal. AI will run it for you. So long as you can, it's still knowing how to prompt it, right? Knowing how to prompt will become an actual job. Yeah, that's that'll be a skill form in and of itself. Like, I mean, just, you know, I haven't messed around with it as much as you have, but even just editing, let's just say editing the some of the content that we make, mm-hmm. right? Some of the hardest things that I've had to come across is trying to search something that I want to do, but not knowing how to explain it. And so, it takes it takes a long time to figure out the nuances, right? And figuring out what it is exactly I want to say in order, in order to have it do. I can only imagine what that would be like, for instance, drafting a contract through AI, right? So I've done 
the contract thing I've done, I've done a whole, it doesn't work for like technical contracts for like larger, broader things like deeds of trust. Like I've done that and played with that, but I'll use an image. Images are easy to explain to people. So today uh, I, sh I demoed AI for people and I kind of layered in idiosyncrasies that made it more and more complicated in the image result mm. because it's easy to see a simple concept, go to an image and then taking that image and then refining it with better prompting down to a product. And the ones I sent you today were kind of the end result. I made literally an energy drink from just the concept It refined the concept and literally made a box packaging, branding the whole thing and sent it to you in a screenshot. Right. The higher standard energy drink. Right. Because you superhero, super superhero energy. Yeah. But it, so here's, here's where it gets kind of nuts is that, so now whenever I edit the thumbnails for the show, I prompt what I want to see based on the show's topics. Right. I get an image. Mm -hmm. I take that image in the variant that I like. So if I don't like it, I'll have another variant. I'll, I'll prompt better. But generally speaking, I get it in the first two or three times. I'll take that image. I'll pull it into Photoshop. I'll size it to where I want it to be. And then I'll use AI again to make the image different. Right. To remove elements, to add elements, to, to pull stuff it, in, right. to modify it. So now I've got an AI image edited down to the details with AI. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's mind-blowing. Yeah. Yeah, it's mind blowing. It, it, the whole world of being a graphic designer, an artist that used to be like a trade school, right? That people would be able to go to. Yeah, you you had to learn how to use all these these tools. Now, if you want to, in the future, you want to make a movie, you can literally prompt an entire movie with AI using Sora at some point in time in the future. Mm -hmm. An entire movie. Wow. A mat. You don't need cameras anymore. There's literally uh, on the sample page for OpenAI, there's a sample of an older vehicle, which looks like a, a Range Rover on a hill with a drone shot behind it. Mm -hmm. And it was entirely prompted by AI. You can, anyone would be able to make a movie. You don't need cameras. Yeah, think about the production costs. You don't need to be on location. How much, how much money you save. You don't need to be in Hollywood anymore. Right. You're going to be literally be able to, to prompt your way into a movie, pull it into an editing software, use AI to edit it. You don't even have to know how to edit it. Make this lighter, make this darker, balance the colors, make the colors look like this. Yeah, you got to put this shit behind a, like a steeper paywall. You're gonna so you're gonna. That's the only way to. You're gonna That's make a film with AI. You're gonna edit it with AI. Mm -hmm. You're gonna push it out to the masses who watch it in augmented reality, virtual reality. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Man, make sure you guys tune again next week <laughs> to the Higher Standard Podcast for another two-hour episode. There you go. Damn, you did good. Proud of you. I'm proud of you. Should we end it here? Gang, gang. Okay. You got anything else, Chris? No, I don't. You got anything else, Odin? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>